gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the agency power show. Hello, everyone. This is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. Today, I've got with me Rich Brooks of Flight New Media. Um, it's a digital agency out of Maine. And we're going to be talking about AI and just how it is in general going to affect marketing and also business, you know, because AI, of course, is, you know, it's been in the news for months and everything. And people are, you know, exploring and experimenting of, you know, how they can you know, use it to make their jobs easier. We're doing that kind of stuff at, at our agency, you know, and I know of other businesses that are doing the same thing. You know, there are a lot of pluses to it. There are some negatives. Yeah, but it's no matter what going to change the landscape. Rich, it's great to have you on. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your agency. Cash, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, like you said, my name is Rich Brooks. I've been running Flight New Media since uh, 1997. So we've been in business for 26 years. Makes me feel much older than I should for sure. Uh, we're a boutique agency up here in Portland. We have uh, nine to 10 people at, at working for us and I, we offer web design, branding, search engine optimization, uh, digital ads, a little bit of social media, more on the consulting side than anything else and a lot of content creation, but basically anything that a business or an organization needs to reach and engage more of their audience. And as we were talking before the show, Cash, I also have this other brand called Agents of Change, which we is a digital marketing conference and also a podcast as well. And between those two things, it keeps me pretty busy. Yeah, um, I I wanted to like ask because 1997, you know, that was like pretty much the, the almost not quite, but almost the dawn of the internet. You know, I say it wasn't that it was at 97 or 98 when Google was uh, founded, something like you know, it's like right in there, and you know, so you've seen about every you know iteration of the internet that we've had. You know, that's a, yeah. It, it, it definitely feels that way. And, and when we were celebrating our 25th anniversary last year and we were talking about things, um, you know, that happened back in 1997, there was no Google back in 1997. We, or there was, but we actually beat it. So just the idea that we were older than Google, not, <laughs> not quite as successful, perhaps, um, not, as, not as much name recognition, but uh, it is funny to see how much. When I first started, I was designing for screens that were 640 by 480. You know, when you think about how small <laughs> yeah. that is and designing for dial-up modems, you know, it, it was just, mm -hmm. it was a very different time and I've, I've had to learn, continually adopt to new things that are coming on. You know, first search engine optimization when it first came, then social media and, and just all these different mm -hmm. things. And, and, and finally, AI. Yeah, I, like I always like when I see a site, you know, that I know is like really old and I say, I like to say that that's like circa 2006, you know, like, you know, like date the site, you know, based on how, the, how it's constructed and such, you know, because occasionally you will still find them, you know, on old uh, Dreamweaver programs and, right. you know, and things like that. So it's just all really old HTML. And of course it's, yeah. So yeah, you've seen, you know, how the internet itself has just totally evolved. Like everybody's seen it. You know, if you're of any age, right? You know, if you were born, but you know, you know, before '97 or whatever, you know, so let's call it like 1990 and earlier, so you were old enough to use it, you know. Right. But 
you know, it's different if you're in the business and you've watched it evolve because you were actually paying attention to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. How things are being made behind the scenes. You, mm -hmm. you know, the way that the skills have evolved over time is, is really interesting. Yeah, it's it's changed a lot. And now, of course, with AI, you know, finally, it's been it's been in the works for a while. It's finally making its appearance. And now it's suddenly, you know, it's AI this and AI that all over the place. You know, yeah. so well, let's start off like, yeah, AI is changing the landscape dramatically, both for marketing and businesses in general. So what do you see happening? Um, you said you were recently at a conference, you know, before the show. Um, tell us a little bit about that conference and what, you know, kinds of things that they were, you know, telling you. Right. So you're you're absolutely right. Uh, we've been using AI. We've It's been in the background for a long time. You know, if you're doing Google ads, if you're doing Facebook ads, you're using machine learning and AI to run those ads. You may not have been touching those things, but they were happening. That's what was making your ads run in the algorithms. But suddenly when ChatGPT basically came out on, I think it was like November 30th of last year, it changed everything. And we moved from sitting in the back seat to all of a sudden driving, even if we maybe didn't have our driver's license. Yeah. And, and it did dramatically change, you know, our exposure to AI and our, us thinking about it. So, I went to this conference with some other agency owners. It's called Maycon. It's the uh, Marketing AI Conference. Made a lot of different speakers who talked about different ways that agencies and, and marketers in general, in-house marketers, could use AI. And there were a lot of different use cases. In fact, I went to a workshop on the first day and they talked about like how to develop use cases for your business, figuring out what are some ways in which AI can be used. Because I know there's a lot of hubbub and I belong to a lot of um, emails now that talk about AI and there's always like, oh, one-click landing pages, one-click personas, one-click websites. And it sounds magical. But this is like no different than some of those, you know, build your own websites. I'm never going to worry about somebody yeah. building their own website on Wix. I'm glad that they can do it. Yeah. But it's never going to compete with a website that you or I could create for somebody because we understand everything that needs to go on behind it for it to be found and for it to convert. So I think that there's a lot of opportunities for, for agencies to use AI, but maybe not in the way that we envision or, or even fear that people may be leveraging AI. Yeah, it's like we've, you know, we use ChatGPT, like um, most of my employees have an account assigned to them, depending on what their job role is, right? You know, but the fear has been that it will replace jobs. And it's not, I, that fear has, you know, really been overblown. Um, I do think it makes potentially uh, as many positions as you might have in a company not necessary, you know, so you might have, you know, five people that do this particular job and now you need three of them, you know, because it does make for a lot more efficiency, you know, but it is still an assistant. It is not, you know, something that replaces. Like, I always use the example of, yes, can I code a website? Sure. Um, do you know what to do with the code when it's done? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. If you don't know what to do, if you're a coder, you know, you know what to do. And so, you know, we've been teaching our employees that it's, you know, I say it's an assistant. Yeah. Uh, should it be designing an entire website? No, because, you know, there's a certain amount of creativity behind, you know, the work, you know, that the person is putting in that's actually doing the design. Can it assist with some of that design? Certainly. You know, depending, on, you know, depending on what you need. And that's a very similar message, Cash, to what I've told my team, too. Like, we're not laying people off because of this, but um, Paul Racer, who is in charge of Macon, said, you know, 
AI won't take away jobs from marketers, but marketers who use AI will take away jobs from those who don't. And I think that is is very important. And yeah. the bottom line is, will there be jobs lost? Of course there will, because with every technological advancement since the dawn of time, that's what's happened. But those technological advancements also create new jobs as well. So those are the things we need to work, uh, think about. And when I told my team, I'm like, look, our competitors are gonna start using these tools if they haven't already. We need to be ahead of them. I want you to feel very comfortable using these tools. And my designer who loves to design things, you know, himself, you know, originally scoffed at the idea of AI helping them. Mm -hmm. And I showed him like a quick prompt that would generate like four different landing pages. And I'm like, obviously we would never show any of these to the client, but if you're staring at a blank page and you need to ideate really quickly, this is a great way to get those creative juices flowing. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Um, we do this uh, similar things with logo design, you know, right. because because it's the creative juices. No, they're not meant for the client. But if you're stuck on ideas to the same thing as if you're writing a blog post, you know, you can use it to help generate ideas. Yeah. You know, and it can help you with the post, but it's not meant, you know, meant to write the whole thing for you because it, it's not good at tone and stuff. There's certain things that it's not really good. I With designers, I point out to them, I'm like, yeah, do th use it for certain things. If you wanted to change an image because you want to make it look like a sketch, you know, because you can load the image, have it change the, you know, so you have to still choose the image. It's able to sketch it out. Something that if you were to try to do would take ridiculous amounts of time. So you can make your design way more creative than you otherwise would be able to do. You know, icons are an example I always use, you know, because you're going to go to an icon library to figure out what icons you know mad you know go with well with the design and there's a zillion icons you're still getting them somewhere right. you're still, you're, you might do them from hand, you know from scratch but one you know but even if you do that you're probably going to look up in a library you know different ideas so why can't you just do it real quick you know using chat and let it generate yeah right. maybe this is the new swipe file yeah that, like I say, it's replacing other things you would have done to do this, you know, to get the same end result. And if it can do it faster, then great, because that's what, you know, like I say, because then you can spend more time on other areas, you know, instead of the mundane tasks that you still know need to be done. You know, so I think from a, a marketer standpoint, you know, those are the things that every agency should be considering. You know, what about from a business owner standpoint, though, because how is AI going to make their lives easier? Uh, well, hopefully they'll have much more productive employees, but I think there's things beyond just marketing um, that AI can certainly help with. And even some simple things like one of my favorite AI tools right now is Fathom, which is a Zoom plugin. And I started using this for all of my podcast interviews and all of my sales calls and client calls always with permission. But, you know, I had an hour long call with a client this morning and I don't have to worry about taking notes and I don't need to bring anybody from my team and wasting their time to take notes. I turned on Fathom, it did a full transcript of the episode and then it gave me a very coherent summary of that conversation that was really fantastic. I mean, I just, I basically made a few checks on what it was saying and clarified a few things and then just shared that with the client. So for me right there, that's a huge time savings. For larger companies with big data sets, it can be really good at taking a look at those big data sets and making recommendations and helping you with some business decisions. Now, I have not done that and 
we're probably too small and don't have enough data to kind of take an inward look at our client base yeah. and some of our workflows to get much out of it. So that's not how I'm using it. But again, it's it's some sort of you know Swiss Army knife, right? That can be uh, it can be different things to different people. And so I think owners should look at it like, could you take your financials from last year, plug them into a tool, perhaps not ChatGPT, perhaps another specialized tool, and help you forecast for the coming year? You know, so there are ways that okay. we can use it in different aspects of our business um, to create SOPs more quickly and other elements like that as well. Yeah, I've used it to um, write up uh, like terms and stuff for things because, you know, if you I say anything with AI is about the prompts, but if you give it the right prompts, it's able to put together even, you know, basic um, legal language that you might need, you know, for agreements and stuff, at least simple ones, you know, that you would probably download anyway, you know, because you needed a template of some sort. Right. Know, as a start point, you know, so it can do a lot of those, you know, particular things, um, you know, and it's, you know, it becomes this huge time saver, you know, uh, just across the board for whatever the job role might be. What are some of the other things that you, um, you know, since you went to the conference and stuff, just, you know, where do they see it going? Where do you see it going? You know, like, what's the future look like six months from now? Because that's probably all, you know, all we need, right? Right, you know, exactly. That. Well, <laughs> it, it, you, you bring up a good point, Cash, because one of the recurring themes of the, of the conference was we're going to look back on the tools of today that seem almost magical and say, wasn't it quaint back then? And back then might only be three months in the future, right? Because yeah. like, that's, that's how quickly things are moving. One of the other recurring themes was the fact that you cannot expect the AI to work on its own. Like there still needs to be human right. intervention because ChatGPT, other LLMs, and really a lot of other AI tools like to hallucinate. That's the official term now for what <laughs> makes up lies, right? So you need to have, you know, there have been a lot of good stories about how like um, AI is is catching like uh, cars, uh, carcinogens in x-rays <laughs> faster than humans can right or more okay. accurately than humans yeah. but it still takes a human to take a look at like that red flag and say yeah that actually is a cancer spot or it's not and so there's a lot of different ways um, to use ai but i think there still needs to be that human person involved and another example and one that was used quite a bit at the conference was the idea of creating personas using chat gpt and other llms and describing your ideal client um, and then it basically coming back to you and saying like, and I did this with, for one of our clients who are, you know, where do they get their information? Who are the influencers they follow? Um, what are their main concerns? What keeps them from making a buying decision? Now, this goes back to the old garbage in garbage out. If yeah. you don't really know your persona and you try and create one with one of these tools and you get back this information, you may be wildly off the mark. So you still have to do the homework of interviewing your honest to goodness, real live clients, but then you can use that to inform the persona that ChatGPT or one of these other tools can help you create. And then you can literally just sit there and ask questions of it and just say, you know, like, hey, what would you do in this situation? Or how do you make a, a buying decision? And of course, it's just a persona, it's not a real person, but it can help you start to think about how do I write this article that addresses the needs of this particular architect or school teacher or whoever your ideal client might be? Yeah, I think, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of uh, movies and stuff. We get so caught up in 
you know, what Hollywood might have portrayed AI to eventually be, right? You know, they say it's, you know, is it Skynet or something like that? And no, it's not because it needs the human input, you know, regardless what you, you know, are doing with it, because either you're, it's what you're putting into it to get, you know, the output side, but also what it gives you. You know, like I've seen this, like if you um, ask it to create any like list of questions or whatnot, uh, it's, if you don't give it the correct instructions, it just fits back to you um, the same question, like five different ways to say it, you know, right. to, to ask it. Um, you know, so you can end up with that kind of stuff. So you have to really pay attention, you know, to what you're putting in, but also what it's giving back to you and stuff. And don't take it, you know, like as being like, yeah, it's perfect exactly the way it is. You've got to take the time to read it. You've so, got to check the work. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're, there's a certain vanilla flavor to a lot of these tools. Yes. And by that, I just mean that they're purposefully meant to be neutral. And, you know, your brand voice may not be neutral. And yes, you can say my brand is X, Y, and Z and have it spit out content that's more in your writing mm -hmm. style. Yeah. But I still think you need to go over it. And my dad is a well-known uh, clinical psychologist, and he's written a lot. And I asked ChatGPT to identify his writing style, and it did a very good job of it. And then I asked to, it to write in his voice on resilience is one of his topics, resilience and uh, economic uncertainty. And it wrote 500 words that literally my dad, I could almost hear my dad's voice. Like, oh, it was yeah. pretty spot on. But I'm sure if my dad read through that, and he did, I sent it to him, um, he wouldn't write it quite that way. So I think we yeah. still need to spend time. But I think if we look at AI, you said as an assistant, I've also heard like uh, an intern, very energetic, uh, mm -hmm. full of great ideas, but at the same time, really not a lot of life experience. Yeah. If we can take that and use it to help us do our jobs, I think we'll be light years ahead of the people who don't use AI to help them with their jobs. Yeah. And that's in business in general, because if you're not, you know, like I say, there's so many things that can be, you know, be doing for you. Like I say, as marketers, there's all sorts of things, but in business, you know, there, you're going to have different things where it can help, you know, across the board. Um, you know, but it's like you said, like how one of those, you know, you talked about uh, earlier about, you know, it might eliminate jobs, but also create jobs. I see like prompt engineering is becoming a job already, you know, right. of being able to write the prompts to make the job easier. And, you know, I don't know about you, but we're ended up, you know, we've been building a list of different prompts that help people within our organization to be able to have the right input, especially if there are tasks that are repeated. Absolutely. Yeah. And that can help with brand voice consistency as well. Yeah. Um, and it can also just help with productivity. But there's so many aspects of AI. I mean, we haven't even really talked about like image recognition. And so I'm doing a presentation on AI in a few weeks to a group of sawmill owners. And you might think, oh, those sawmill guys must owners. Be completely <laughs> insulated by artificial intelligence. Like, how would this even affect them? And it turns out some of these um, bigger sawmills are already using AI. And the way they are is the way that lumber works is they've always had humans go in there, take a look at the wood and then give it a grade that's called grading lumber well now they've got four cameras mounted up and the wood goes through these four wow. cameras so it can see all four sides instantaneously and then grade it because of the the software that's written into it the image recognition looks at knots and grain and all these other things for a much more consistent grading now the job of the traditional lumber grader may be going away 
But the person who built the cameras and writes the software and maintains yeah. the machines, those are three different jobs right there that are probably safer and higher paying than the original job. Yeah, I can see that's an interesting you know, um, example because the original job goes away. Now, also, the, the three jobs that are created, they may not – there may not be as many actual jobs. It's, it seems like you're trading one for th and adding three. You are, but you're not because that once that mill is set up, it may not have the you may need the operator for the cameras. Yeah, you sure. have to have one person. So the person that was grading might become your operator if you can train them up to that level. But the other ones um, could end up going around to other sawmills and ha helping them set up the same you know kind of operation and whatnot for them, which of course would take time. So yeah, you know, it's. And a different type of, you know, productivity, you know, from that standpoint, but it, you know, so that's the thing with any new technology um, that we've ever developed as a society and such, you know, like I say at one time there was, you know, companies that made it, you know, buggies and then eventually, you know, they were replaced by companies making cars. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's what happens, but you lose one to gain in the other. Yeah. So, Oh, with, um, you know, you know, the, the stuff that's more, you know, closer on the horizon, though, where do we, where else do you think, because we've seen AI be able to help a number of ways here. You know, we, everybody thinks of chat, okay, but Google is, you know, they've developed, they're working on BARD, which is going to influence search results. You have AI that is um, being, it's able to put together video, you know, in yes. some cases, uh, they've got ones that are doing um, like, essentially real life avatars that are not real, you know, for video, you know, like say video um, spokespeople and stuff right. like that. You've got, you know, ones that are helping with, uh, in our case, design, because, you know, there's one that does, you know, an AI for that specifically, you know, what else do you think it could end up affecting? I don't think that there's a part of our industry that it's not going to touch because I mean, what do we do? We do a lot of design and content creation and, that's things that we've seen that AI, if it can't do itself, it can at least support us in those tasks. So there's going to be that. Today I was playing around with a chat GPT powered chatbot that can go on your website and will mm -hmm. basically, you know, scour all the content on your website and be able to provide answers to the site visitors. So that's one thing I saw. Now, I personally love putting together my own slide decks. That's something I'll never give up. Um, but I did see a tool where you just enter some prompts and it's going to create really attractive, if not generic, looking slide decks for you uh, based on the topics that you're doing. So those are going to be some things as well. I mean, you can have different AI basically respond to RFPs automatically for you, putting it in that annoying, unique format that only that one company sending out the RFP seems to want, you know, and when they even <laughs> specify the fonts. Um, I may be a little bitter on that one. But, you know, so there's I don't think there's anything that it won't that there won't be a role for. And I don't think that there's any tools that uh, that we won't be able to have somebody create. When ChatGPT first came upon the scene and I discovered it myself and started playing around with it, one of the first ideas I had was to interview it on my podcast. So I basically plugged in the <laughs> questions and had ChatGPT respond to me. And I was originally gonna first put on a fake voice to speak for ChatGPT. Yeah. And then I thought of bringing in somebody who would read it. And then I found a text to voice AI tool that will take your written word 
and speak it and it actually does it really well and so i ended up grabbing one of those voices i bought like a month-long um, license for it and had it respond to all the questions uh, for chat gpt and it became this very interactive podcast that some people were like i thought you had hired a real person to do it so i mean those are just some of the use cases you mentioned you know unfortunately sometimes used for deep fake but there can be video avatars that are created yeah. that could be a spokesperson or you know if you don't like getting on camera mm -hmm. you could just basically have it run with you run with your script and even your voice if you like your voice but not if you've got a face for radio as they yeah. say so there's, yeah, right. you know, there's a lot of different ways in which we might be able to implement it um, i think we just need to make sure that we always keep the humans in mind and just that at the end of the day most of us would prefer to interact with a human. Now there's times when we may want to interact with like a bot just because we want to get something done quickly. Yeah. But for most, for a lot of service-based industries, we're always going to need that human involved. Um, okay. So that leads me, leads me to like misconceptions. Yeah. Cause there are a bunch, you know, out there. So can you debunk some of the things that have been popping up, you know, in that realm? Well, I think one of the biggest things, and we've kind of touched upon it, is just the idea of like one-click solutions. And I think that that's people who take the first version of any output from a prompt are going to be putting out the most vanilla, mediocre content that does not serve their audiences. So I, I think that's part of it. Um, I think overall job loss is a myth. I do think actually there's going to be a lot of job creation, but your job might be lost. Uh, to yeah. prevent that from happening, you need to figure out how you can use AI to really make yourself very employable. Um, I think that there are some real concerns around AI uh, for small businesses. You know, like when you put content up to ChatGPT or open source things, you know, you need to be concerned about, am I sharing client information that shouldn't be shared or am I sh sharing company information that shouldn't be shared? So, I mean, that's a real concern that I have. And then there's the big things about, you know, Skynet. And I'm like, I'm not saying those things can happen, but there's nothing I can personally do about it. So I'm just going to focus on the productivity side of things and the yeah. ideation side of things. Um, I think that's where we're going to see the biggest bang for our bucks. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, so talk about a minute, you know, like if a business is going to use AI, you know, and they're going to say, okay, like we're going to make this a part. How we, how should they be going about it? That's a great, that's a great question. And so I actually got this directly from Macon and I brought it to my company. So like okay. I came back and I was excited and I'm always the guy who gets excited about everything. And yeah. so my team, you know, rolls their eyes a little bit. I'm like, no, this is for real. This is like as big as the internet, as big as computers, we need to do it. So what I told them is I said, over the next two weeks, I want you to write down all the repetitive tasks that you're doing that you think there might be a use case for AI. And mm -hmm. they did that and they brought it in an in-person staff we had recently. And we sat down and we kind of talked about, we talked through it and tried to identify a few of those that we could pilot. So, you know, here's the problem that it takes me too long to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. So let's figure out a way that we might be able to use AI. And it could be a simple, broad tool like ChatGPT, or it could be a very specific tool that has one use, you know, something more like yeah. Market Muse, which is good for SEO. Um, but let's start playing around with these tools, see if we get the productivity uh, uptick that we're looking for, and then decide, is this something that we want to implement uh, throughout our company? So I think that's a great process to have literally just start tracking some of the repetitive maybe 
drudgery filled aspects of your job. And then don't even worry if AI can solve it or not. But after you've got that list, then sit down and say, which one of these could AI help me with? Is it likely to be able to help me with? And then how much time or money am I going to save by doing it this way? And then choose just one or two, maybe at the beginning, pro problems to, pro to pilot and work on those. And then if they work, great, you can move on. And if they don't work, fantastic. You put them aside and you try something else. Yeah, it, they say, you know, figuring out where it can help and then implementation too, because not everywhere it's gonna, you know, on the surface, it could seem like it's a really good idea. Yes, it could help solve this problem or, you know, but when you actually go to do it, you know, I say it might be a lot more extensive than you realize, you know, in actually making it work, um, you know, so that's always an issue. Uh, and then, so let's talk, you know, cause when we first started talking, um, you mentioned, uh, you know, either get on board, you know, or don't, but you can get left behind. So in your business and with others, you've seen, do you see pushback? Uh, with, you know, you mentioned a you know, designer, right? Like, I think that some people are just like, it's a neat toy, but it's not really a tool. Um, or they're fearful of it. Like that's part of the reasons behind the Hollywood strikes right now is will AI take my job? Um, <clears throat> For me personally, I wouldn't force any of my employees to use it. Like yeah. we're, we're pretty casual about that sort of stuff. But at the same time, if all of a sudden one of my employees is underperforming compared to everybody else, then I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with them and kind of find out what's keeping them from succeeding. And if one of the things is an aversion to AI and I show them how AI can make them more productive or put out better work and they're still resistant, well, then we might have to have a more difficult conversation. So I, you know, for me, it's always carrot before stick. That's just my yeah. approach to everything. So I would try and show them how they can use these tools to become a more valuable member of the team and just to produce better work for our clients. And for me, my belief is that that is going to convince 95% of the population and probably a hundred percent of the people that I bother to employ. Yeah. Cause that's what I've seen is, is like you either, you know, you get pushback cause you're actively trying to, you know, get people to use it and they just want to be naturally resistant to the idea, especially if they feel like their job might be in jeopardy, you know, whereas I'm getting you to embrace it. So you're better at your job, but they're looking at it as it's, you know, can replace. And I'm like, well, somebody has to do the, has to actually work with it. You right. know, it can't do this on its own. Um, and then you also have people that, in what I've seen is that they're just lazy about it, you know, and th that's not like, it's not active, uh, pushback against the idea. It's more so I don't want to take the time to learn it, you know, cause I'm comfortable doing things the way I do them. And, right. and they don't necessarily have the fear of being replaced. Yeah. You know, like I say, because they know, you know, based on what they do, they know it couldn't do it anyway. At least they've heard enough about it to say, yeah, that's not going to be able to, you know, do what I do, you know, but it could still improve productivity. So that's what I've often seen is like say just right. general laziness about it. And I have a director of operations who's my exact opposite because I'm like, everything's great. And we're going to try all these things. It'll be wonderful. And she's like, how are we going to budget time in the schedule for this? How are we going to decide what is our SOP? How are we going to decide which tools we're going to purchase? all excellent questions that I would never think of. So it's good to have somebody on your team like that who will push back. And then all of a sudden you have to develop a plan for what will we pilot? 
what is yeah. going to be our budget for new AI software that we can see, will this become a part of our company? Um, so I think it's good to have somebody like that on the team. They're not necessarily negative. Um, you may feel they're negative if you're really exuberant about AI, but they're not necessarily negative, but they keep you in check and they make sure that you're just not looking at the next shiny object, but really thinking about this as a legitimate business tool that could increase your productivity, bring down costs and free up your team to do their best, most creative work possible. Yeah, one of the things that we did on our team is we basically have a chat expert now. You know, somebody that was that's tech savvy already, very in, enthusiastic about these kinds of tools and stuff. And and he did all of the homework. And what he ends up doing is working with individual staff members to see you know what help they need and kind of how they do their job. And he'll often write the prompts, mm. you know, that they need. You know, and and you know, teach them how to use those prompts and then make modifications on their own and such, you know, based on, you know, the specific task that's needed. Yeah. You because know, if you have, especially if it's a repetitive task, but there's always something like if you're writing website content or something, there's always something that's going to change about it. Yeah. And so how do you modify the prompt to be able to get right. what you need? Or, you know, if it's a design thing, whatever it might be. So you have an advocate on the staff that can help them learn, you know, stuff like this and show the benefits. Because often, it, like I say, if you just say, hey, I want you to use it, you know, go learn it. Well, like you mentioned of your your opposite, you know, that she would she would say, well, how are we going to budget the time and everything? And it's like, well. What I'm doing is, is I'm budgeting this person's time, and then that way each individual needs to give up less time to be able to learn this because we don't need them to learn this, learn from scratch. We need them to learn from this other person that's going to help them do it much quicker. Yeah, and and I've always, always seen like or found you got to have somebody that's an advocate for these kinds of things too, and sometimes it's best that it's not the business owner. Yeah, that's the, of course they can be an advocate, but if you're trying to sell it. Right. Yeah. You know, to a staffer, do it with another staffer, you know, in this kind of a situation because they don't feel like it's rammed down their throat as much. You know, like we know this will make you better. Right. Use it. Now you've got to get buy in on these things. And so, you know, you get an early adopter that really wants to learn everything. You know, that can make a big difference. Absolutely. I think that's true with everything. But the, the less they feel like it's being pushed upon them and the more that they see that it can be a gift or a tool that they can use to enhance what they're doing, I think the, the easier the buy-in will be. Yeah. So do you have any last uh, thoughts to sum, you know, sum up you know, AI in general of how it's going to, you know, how it affects marketing, how it affects businesses? Well, I would just say to anybody who's listening who hasn't really kind of uh, – hasn't dived into this yet is that it, it's time to do this. And the bottom line is your competitors are probably already doing this. You do not want to be left mm -hmm. behind. I would at least start exploring and start spending some time with an learning, a large language model like ChatGPT, an image creator like MidJourney, yeah. um, and start playing around with these tools and seeing what they're capable of. And there's also a lot of great resources online. I know that the Macon conference has like uh, the, company that puts it on has a lot of resources um, and there's ways to follow certain trends on LinkedIn and stuff like that. I would try and wrap your head around this as quickly as possible because I really do think it's going to be a revolution that's at least as big as the internet for marketing agencies. So I think that we need to stay on top of it and don't get left behind. Yeah, we're actually amazingly enough approaching the one year mark uh, since the introduction of chat GPT and it's like, wow, 
you know, and I know they've already gone through multiple iterations, you know, right. and, and version advancements and such, you know, so, yeah, I say it's a constantly evolving landscape. Yeah, and if you get left behind and I say it's not just our type of business, it's any business in general, you know, you can get really left behind and there are others that are going to take advantage of it. And it's, you know, eventually you'll feel the impact. It'll also be interesting to see what our clients think about us using it. Um, we've had some discussions in my mastermind about this. Is it something you want to promote? In other words, are people going to be looking for marketing agencies that are leveraging AI, or are they going to think that marketing agencies that use AI are cutting corners and should be charging less? So it's an interesting conundrum. Um, we're not actively talking, I mean, I talk a lot yeah. about AI, but we're not talking about how we use it quite yet because we're still figuring out how we use it. We wouldn't shy away from it, um, but we always say yeah. we use it as an assist to make our marketers and our quality of product even better. Yeah, that's the approach we're taking too. It's an assistant. It's not replacing anything. Yeah. Well, Rich, it's been great to have you on. How would people get a hold of you? Well, if people uh, like podcasts, and I'm guessing they do, they can always check out the Agents of Change podcast that's uh, delivered every week all about digital marketing. Uh, I'm the Rich Brooks on just about every social platform, but I'm most responsive on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to me and just let me know that you heard me on the Marketing Masters Agency Power Show and uh, be happy to connect with you all. And this has been another great episode. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Cash Miller, um, and the CEO of Titan Digital. And, you know, I hope you got something out of this. Tune into the next episode. Thank you for uh, joining us.